Welcome to Neighbor Up Spotlight. I'm Carol Malone, your host. Thank you for joining us today. Neighbor Up Spotlight is sponsored by Neighborhood Connections and the City of Cleveland Cable Television Minority Arts and Education Fund. Neighbor Up Spotlight showcases citizens making positive contributions to their neighborhoods in our city. My guest today is Ms. Barbara Anderson, founder and CEO of Another Chance of Ohio. She grew up in the historic neighborhoods of Mount Pleasant and Glenville. In Mount Pleasant, she lived in a home on the corner of East 151st and Bartlett. She attended Case and A.J. Rickoff Elementary Schools and John Adams High School, then moving to Glenville and graduated from Glenville High School. From there, she attended Cuyahoga Community College. Her personal journey has been touched by tragedy and triumph. Local community and neighborhood leader, national and international leader, visionary, activist, advocate, legislative writer, entrepreneur, actress, philanthropist, television host, public speaker. She is the real deal, a person who sincerely cares for her community. Her love and concern for others is apparent through the organizations she has established and the services provided. Her warm, friendly, and engaging personalities are captivating. You don't feel like a stranger when talking to her. You feel like family. Recognized and interviewed by numerous publications, television, and radio outlets for her contributions to our, to our society, her activism and advocacy has allowed her to speak before hundreds of people, the U.S. Congress and Senate, as well as being featured in the film Cleveland vs. Wall Street that premiered at the 2010 Cannes Film Festival in France. In 2016, she received the Inez Tillman Killingsworth Community Leadership Award. In 2017, she was honored at the City of Cleveland Black History Month Crowning Event Luncheon. She is a graduate of the Neighborhood Leadership Institute, Class 16, and the Neighborhood Leadership Development Program, Cohort Number 4, as well as serving on countless boards and advisory committees. Ms. Anderson retired from the City of Cleveland Community Development Office of Housing and Consumer Affairs as a Consumer Protection Specialist and Assistant Administrator. She is a member of Trinity Outreach Ministries Church, a mother of four, a grandmother of eight, and a great-grandmother of two. Currently, she resides in the historic Cleveland Heights Noble Road neighborhood. She's a Neighborhood Connections grant recipient and a member of the Neighbor Up Network. Welcome to Neighbor Up Spotlight. It is wonderful to have you with us today. I feel so welcome. <laughs> it is home. It's home. I'm just visiting home and family, so I feel real good. Thank you so much, Carol, Oh, listen. for, for having me. Oh, listen, it's, it is my pleasure, and I am honored to speak with you today. We got so much to cover and so little time, so I'm going to jump right in. Go right in. <laughs> At five years old, you and your siblings' lives were greatly altered. Can you share that story with us, what happened? I sure will. I and my brother, uh, I was five, he was four, were left on the front porch of a home that was supposed to be our foster family. They left us there for days because mm. they went south for a funeral. But somehow this lady kept looking at us in a very strange way. And I guess she was wondering why we were left on the porch so long. Yeah. And she decided that she would just kidnap us. And she kidnapped us and took us to her mother. And 
I, I just was just so um, timid, so afraid. I didn't know what was happening. So I was on guard for what was going to become of us. And I was very frightened, but love overpowers everything else. Right. Oh, absolutely. And you guys were so little, so you had reasons to be afraid. Now, yeah. describe Miss Edna May Crockett and how she helped you and your siblings. Well, when I first arrived to her home and I met her, I did not trust her or anyone else that was associated with her. <laughs> and so made sure that my little brother did not trust them either. Okay. So when she was even the basic question like, um, are you hungry? My little brother would look at me. And then I would shake my head, yes or no. And then he would respond. Mm. Well, at the time, the answer was always no, no matter what she wanted. Do you <laughs> feel like sitting down? Are you sleepy? Any question was always no. Wow. And she, somehow she, she worked through it. And time and patience on her part um, won me over. I began to be able to see that she really cared about me and she really cared about my little brother. And she proved to have our best interests at heart. First, starting with a nice home cooked meal. Yes. <laughs> and yeah. moving on to a hot bath and clean clothes and a bed to rest in and toys. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, my, we had not had toys before. Yeah. And so this was just amazing to me. And I could not have loved and appreciated her more. Wow. Now, how did her love and support inspire the work that you do for others now? Well, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, funny because I didn't know it. I didn't know that it was because of her until I was forced to sit down and really think when people would say, where did you get this spirit from? Why are you like that? And I had to, and I would always say, I don't know, I'm just like that, I guess. But someone forced me to think about it. Yeah. And I began to think about her and her love. We had so many brothers, sisters, <laughs> cousins, aunties. Everyone was always welcome in her home. Mm -hmm. So I didn't know at the time it was often because of somebody's eviction, yeah. uh, utility disconnection, spousal abuse. I, I just knew we had new family and plenty of kids to play with. <laughs> so the lady that moved in with us because she uh, swallowed a pumpkin seed, <laughs> that's what the old folks used to right. say, which was pregnant mm -hmm. well she was to be just a sick woman to me that mama had to take care of yeah and not a single woman soon to be a mother that had been forced out of her home yes that never crossed our minds so mama was already taking care of people in any way she knew how wow what an extraordinary woman extraordinary woman i like yourself, yes. like yourself. And it, you know what? It, it just transferred over to you. Sometimes you don't even realize the good that you're doing. Yes. You're just doing, right. you know, we're sometimes just so busy about doing that. We don't think of anything else, but this needs to be accomplished. Let me get the job done. Right. Right. Now in 1982, 
your family moved into Slavic village and where you were met with unspeakable racial hatred. Tell us about that experience and how it influenced your fight against racial harassment and intimidation and what resulted from your standing up against this hatred in your neighborhood. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Now, this was a second marriage for me. And it also did include the the new move into Slavic Village, but I knew nothing about other than my home had a huge kitchen. And that was good enough for me. So my family members quickly became victims of hate crimes when we were the first African-Americans to move into that tight-knit ethnic community. Yes. That was 1982. Even before we moved in, I should have known there was going to be some problems Mm -hmm. because I was approached by two police cars that informed me and a girlfriend of mine that I was showing the house off to that neighbors reported seeing us move in weapons. Mm. Weapons? Mm. No. So my girlfriend was taken to jail because of an unpaid ticket. Wow. <laughs> that resulted in a warrant for her arrest. Mm. This was the start of many lies. I looked deep below hard surfaces, convinced that I would find goodness somewhere. Yes. Not knowing what this was coming for because I had not actually personally been aware of racial prejudice in my personal young life. Okay. I, I, I grew up on 151st and Bartlett. My next door neighbor was Annette, was it Funicelli? No, Salerno, mm-hmm. Annette Salerno. And my other friend was Edna Freetag. Annette was Italian. Edna Freetag was, or is, Jewish. And we played together. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't realize that Annette could not play with Edna. And I did not realize that Edna could not play with Annette. Mm. But each of them could play with me. So after we moved into the neighborhood, before we met anyone, there seemed to be a welcome note that was left on my porch inviting me to a street club meeting. Mm-hmm. They did not know we were black. We attended the meeting, but we were never invited again. Mm. Wow. Shortly after that, shortly after that, rocks were being thrown at our children as they walked home from school. And even as they crossed the railroad tracks, people with young men would threaten them with being raped or being shot. The garage was set on fire. I, officials, the fire officials identified it as arson. We were walking down the street one time and um, from an upstairs porch, someone said, hey, we're going to go coon hunting. Well, I had never heard the term coon hunting. I didn't realize that was me and my husband we were talking about. So my husband said, don't turn around, keep walking. And no matter what happens behind us, if you can't walk, run. Wow. And I was stunned. I, I, I didn't know. But he was trying to protect me by walking a little bit behind me and being much taller and bigger than me. Right. He was actually shield. The garage, well, that garage was repeatedly set on fire. That's crazy. 
Yes. That's crazy. It would burn and then burn again and burn again. I think it was like three fires before it was totally burned down. Our foolishness kept having us rebuild the garage. Yeah. But only we did get a notice um, from the insurance company that said the next time we had a fire that we will no longer be insured. That's, that's crazy. Rock. Yeah. Rocks were thrown through the kitchen window, hit one of my daughters in the head. Group of teens and adults, they just threatened my, my daughters especially um, over and over again. Um, but for whatever reasons, my naiveness, I guess, I never believed the trouble was about race. Interesting. And it was the way that I think I saw our family. I saw our family as an asset to the community. Yes. My children are the type who would help neighbors and help seniors. I didn't see us as a threat. Right. My husband worked. I worked. I saw us as valuable contributors to our community. I did not see what they saw. Yes. But the trouble, it continued to escalate. One night, Fires were set at all three exits of our home. Wow. They didn't mean for you to get we out. Oh, no way. By this time, we had filed so many insurance claims that we knew what was going on. Uh, we knew our insurance would be canceled. So we went into safety mode. The children took only one route to and one route home from school. So we would know where to find them if need be. The children were told to look for me on the front porch when they got home. If they didn't see me, they knew they shouldn't come in the house. Yes. They should go and get help. We practiced fire drills. My sister and her four children moved in with us as she battled breast cancer. As I struggled to provide and hearing the advice of so many telling me how to shop at the Salvation Army or the Goodwill. Yes. But when you take that number and multiply it by eight, I could not even do it with that amount of money. Yeah. So these those stores was even out of our range. Well, my sister, I guess the only way she could really survive cancer was to go to heaven. My condolences. Thank you so much. And so she took, um, because even though this was 85. This was, it, listen, this bears repeat. This was 39 years ago. And the, yeah. ir the irony is that my mother actually taught in that community. My mother retired from Willow Elementary School, which is off of oh Finn. Yeah, that's what my yeah. mother, yeah, my mother retired from Willow. So I'm very familiar with that community. And I, for our listening audience, I also want to just mentioned Mabel Gant and Mabel Gant yeah. was your neighbor. And I remember that case when her home was firebombed. She couldn't yeah. get out cause she was in a wheelchair and she died yeah. as a result of that racial firebombing. And so it's just, you know, it's just important for us to take a pause for a moment right here that that was 39 mm. years ago. That wasn't back long time ago. Yeah, was that wasn't the 60s. No, that was, th mm -hmm. that was 39 years ago, 1985, when her house, her house was firebombed, 1982, when you moved in and you had to, to, to uh, put up with all that racial hatred. But 
what came out of that was some interesting legislation. So tell people what you got, you had done, what you got done. You know, it's, it's, it's amazing because yes, after that, but let me just say one thing about Mabel Gant. Yes. I I don't want to, uh, wow. I didn't think I was going to be about it. Yeah. But Mabel Gant, that night, that's when we got the courage that we would not leave. Yes. Slavic. Before my husband would say, we're getting out of here. And I would say, no, 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 we're staying. And then there would be times when I would say, we're getting out of here. I'm not tolerating this. And he would say, no, 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 we're staying. But that night, yes, that night, what they did to her, we both looked at each other and said, we ain't going nowhere. I hear that. I know that's right. That, that, that night. So I testified before Governor Richard Celeste, and he responded by passing the Racial Intimidation and Harassment Act. Yeah, the threat continued, but I hung in there. Yes. We went to um, Washington, testified before, before Ohio Senator Howard Metzenbaum, and we made multiple trips to Columbus to support putting funds in the budget for fair housing. Yes. It became such a mission that was passed on to me in honor of Mabel Gant. Yes. I never met the woman. I never met her family. But that was something that I had to do. And yes. Charles Brawley was in a, a part of um, National Neighbors. He contacted me, Chip contacted me, and he encouraged me to document everything, everything that happened to my family. Yes. And because of that documentation, we were able to move forward and talk about what happened and why. Yes, and, and, and it's even important to talk about it now because we still have yeah. that type of climate. We still, that, that type of hatred and, and climate and tolerance oh. still exists, and it's been um, uh, 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 stimulated again. <laughs> so people oh. still have to be vigilant, and I think it's very uh, commendable um, that you uh, took on that fight and got before Dick Celeste and got this uh, uh, harassment intimidation legislation uh, signed and put forth. And so it's important for people to know your story and to know that, you know, that this legislation has been been uh, put forth by Dick Celeste with your help and yeah. support. And so uh, and people will know that it's out there, that this that this uh, that this happened and this information is out here and this protection is out here. That's so true, because keep in mind, this started when Dennis Kucinich was a councilman in that neighborhood. Yes. I went from Dennis Kucinich as a councilman to Councilman Ed Ripka, mm -hmm. then to Councilman Tony Brancatelli. Mm -hmm. That was just my for justice just went round and round and round. It just kept passing from person to person. Yes. As they as they as they re reached office. Yes. Yes. Wow.
Now in 18, 1985, your husband, Mr. Robert Anderson, he built a bas- basketball court. Tell, tell, tell why he built that basketball court and what has that basketball court come to symbolize to you and your family now? You know, um, the garage. The garage kept getting burned down. Mm. And we're not putting the garage back up. We now have my son and my daughter and my sister's three sons. We have four boys. We have four girls. We're going to put up a basketball court. <laughs> we're going to paint the area. We're going to put the, we're going to just make it look so real. And we're going to just, that was our, our, our chance to take it. What is that? Taking from lemons to lemonade. Exactly. And to create a safe space for your family. Yes. Create and a safe space. And so many kids came to play on that court. That is just amazing to me when I hear, um, sometimes I hear auntie. When <laughs> I hear auntie and I don't recognize a face, I know that it's a friend of my nieces and nephews when i hear mama i know it's a friend of my children <laughs> when <I> hear grandma <laughs> uh, they got a chance to play on it also they got a chance to see my son's name written on it and all of the four boy all of the four boys the, the other three boys their names was written in white ink a white paint on the court. Oh, nice. So now comes four more grandchildren, all boys. Their names were added to the court. Oh, that's wonderful. That's Just a week ago, I have a eight-year-old great-grandson. Just a week ago, I took him to the family home that we still use. Wonderful. And I told, told him, I said, your uncle was all here. Now you see your dad's name. That's because uh, Lorenzo is the oldest of the grand of the grandchildren. I said, that's your dad's name. I said, he played on this court too. And I said, and now you will play on it. Grandma wants you to come next week. We're going to go Toss that basketball, and I want you to get it in that hoop before the <laughs> before football. I said that's how we recognize legacy. Absolutely, we we're not going to wallow in in this pain and agony. And believe me, it was pain and agony. I know it was, but we rejoice in what is good, also. Oh, that's so nice. yeah, that's what it was. It was a safe space. It was a happy space. It was a time to smile and laugh. And so we took that and we said, yeah, we're not worried about that garage. We're going to make this an open area and this will be a place for people to come and play basketball. Wow. I'm I'm all choked up. (laughs) It's a wonderful story. You have such a great story. Now, in 2002, you founded Another Chance of Ohio. Why did you choose that name for your organization? You know, it, it's it's funny how things just come to your to your mind, um, because so many people had had helped with the name, and I did see the name 
second chance. And I pondered over that. Um, but you know what? Second chance. And I started thinking about second chance. And then I started reflecting on the number of chances that I got. And I thought about the number of chances that other people might need, nice. whether it, no matter what it is, I don't want to say all about addiction or abuse or whatever it is. If all I ever had in life was two chances, I would have failed and I would have failed miserably. I would need another chance so many times. And I think that's the way it is for other people. Yes. I don't think you get by with just two chances. No, you can't. You can't. Yeah. And the other thing is that when I think about the goods that people give to us, the reusable goods, the things that you give away because, ah, now you threw with that color or that style or you remodeled your kitchen, yes. it's still able to do some good. Right. Let's give those it's another chance too. Yes. Yeah. Let's, 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 let's leave that. Let's use that skirt that you love so much that now you've outgrown or maybe you lost weight. Right. Let's get another chance to bring joy to somebody else. And you started, you started your thrift store in your home, didn't you? Didn't you start in your basement? I sure did. Well, I started with me with all those boys and still <laughs> all those girls and making some of everything and, in our house, I mean, I needed blankets and spreads. I needed um, towels and washcloths. I needed more plates. I needed, I needed so much. Yes. And so it started with me. Like I said, they told me to go to Goodwill, go to the uh, here, there, and they serve a purpose. But the purpose wasn't meeting my needs at that time because I had no money. Yes. <laughs> what yeah. I did is I started just driving down the street and I would see a certain item. I would see a, maybe a table and I would say, Oh, that would look so nice in between those beds upstairs. I'm going to get that table. So I would get it. But after a period of time, my needs were met. Yes. But other people, I started getting things for other people because I would hear of things that they needed or I'd see an item that was so nice that I didn't even know who could use it, but I'd bring it back and put it in my basement because I just knew somebody would say something and I would hear it or see it and I could give it to them. And that's exactly how it started. People began depending on me and actually would call <laughs> me and say, did you see a table somewhere and you could get it would you please get it for me and i would do just that wow i mean it's amazing how the lord provides true you know he it, it, there was people would ask me for things and i would be thinking in my head oh we never get anything like that that <laughs> would that, that would never happen we don't get that kind of stuff and i would be on my way to the market and what would i see I would see exactly what they asked for. <laughs> I said, I got to stop. I want to hear what you have to say. No, well, I was going to, well, since I discovered your store, I think I discovered it a year ago. I was like, this is such a wonderful place. It's such, because I'm a major thrifter, <laughs> a major thrifter person. 
I'm, I'm still picking up stuff right to this day, you know. And when I went in there and I saw your store is so clean and so neat and so well organized. And as I told you, once I discovered that, really, I bring all of my things to your facility. I do. I just dropped off something there yesterday. <laughs> dropped off five or six bags yesterday. And I've told other people about it because your store is just so nice and clean. You treat people with dignity and respect. And it's it's just it's just really incredible what you do. It really, really is. Now Because you know relationships and feelings. I don't want anyone who's coming into the store to feel who's coming in the store already feeling some kind of way yes. as the young people say. Right. Not feeling their best, not really thinking they're going to get what they need, not, you know, feeling broken. And uh, I don't want you to come right. in the store and see a broken store. Yes. It, you've experienced it. Uh, yes, I've been there. I've experienced it. Yeah. I've been there. And I also want to let people know because, you know, Channel 5 did a wonderful, you know, a Better Land story on you. I saw it. It's great. Uh, and let people know that you also, you know, when you're closed, you have shelves outside the store with items on them. You have she- you also have yeah. food items, too. So if so if you're not open, people can still come. You know, in the evening yeah. or late evening, or early morning, you still have things that are out there. So, you know, you do a, a fabulous job. But in addition to the thrift store, you've got, um, tell us about Mama Crockett's home, Janie's home, and Pete's home, and why you established those homes. I sure will. And just to mention that we also put coats and shoes and boots outside. Yes. Just in case you're coming by and need it during, during the winter. They're also outside. To- ready for you. And you also okay. provide uh, furnishing and appliances too as well. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Now Mama Crockett's home and as you know I was a foster child. Um, I was reunited with my father when I was uh, 16 and we moved with him and his family of seven children. But Mama's Crockett's home is a home that I felt loved, appreciated, encouraged. I felt safe in. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to recognize her in a special way. After my husband died in 2007, I, well, my children said, this house is too big for you, mine's too big, you need to move, but I couldn't move, my feet were stuck. I couldn't, I, I, I couldn't leave the house. And they said, well, you don't even use anything but this floor right here. You don't go upstairs or downstairs. What do you need all of this house for? But then it came to me, wait a minute. Recognize Mama Crockett's home. Let this home be a home for you that have aged out of the foster care system. That's wonderful. This house gently and greatly served eight of my relatives, plus the husband and a wife, it can serve at least eight youth. This, they could feel, they could feel comfortable. It's large enough. The kitchen is large enough. The rooms are big enough. They can have bedrooms and single beds and they can, I began to think that that was the very best way that I could honor my foster mother and the care and love that she showed me. That's beautiful. 
And I, I loved it. And another chance, we partnered with Cleveland State University, where they assist by providing educational opportunities free of charge. That's excellent. To that have aged out of foster care. That was so important that I let the young people that came there know that they go to school, go to work, go to work training, or, or go, to, go to college, but go somewhere. Yes. Let's start. Let's start here. So that, that's my reason for Mama Crockett. That was my way of honoring her. And, and Janie's home and Pete's home, Pete's place? Oh, oh yeah, Pete's place. Um, well, Pete's place is because I had two brothers that went to war and only one returned. And the one that returned is Pete. That's my, that's my biological brother. That's my brother. The other one was a stepbrother, but Pete came home. And when Pete came home, I could see that there were some needs that were unmet. And he would tell me about other soldiers. And I decided, but you know what we need to do? We need to have a home for veterans that's truly a home, not just a room, not just a place to lay their head, not just a um, place to stay, but a place that's a home that would be encouraging, that would help them get back on their feet. And this home is uh, in the Wade Park area. Okay. It's right down the street from the Veterans Hospital. Okay. And so, so that if need be, they can walk to the Veterans Hospital and get care. Perfect. And that they could be given an opportunity to have more energy. And so that was my reason. That's excellent. Janie's home. Yeah. Janie's home. My little Janie um, actually joined us um, because nobody believed I had a sister. Even the welfare department, as wow. it was called then, uh, said that, no, I didn't have a little sister. And I kept telling Mama Crockett about this little sister that I had, and she was little, she was this, she was that. And Mama Crockett found her. Wow. She hired her, found my little sister, and she brought her to live with us. And Janie... Uh, was seemed to always be in a relationship that was abusive. Uh, she always was struggling to find a relationship that she could be happy in. She always seemed to be giving more than what she was getting. And so I decided uh, that in honor and recognition of her, that we would have Janie's home. That would be a home for families. Uh, so that would be, you know, the mother and children mm -hmm. that had escaped domestic violence or wanted to escape domestic violence. And so that is the reason why we have the free store, Mama Crockett's home, Pete's place, and Janie's home. They all came out of my own personal struggle uh, with survival yeah. and with my family. That's that's wonderful. That's a that's a beautiful thing that you've done. Now, tell us about Miss Inez Killingsworth. 
ESOP, which stands for Empowering and Strengthening Ohio's People. And, you know, in doing my research for this interview, because I saw her mural that's on the corner of 131st and Miles, and I remember seeing her name in the Killingsworth Center over at Harvard. And I'm so glad to be able to honor you because it gave me a chance to know more about her. Which is great. <laughs> so, you know, tell us about tell us about that and how she helped you and how you got busy helping your neighbors during the foreclosure crisis. Okay. Okay. Well, what happened was I, I knew that I had a heart for my community and I knew that my community could be revived. I turned to a group called ESOP because I had gone everywhere. I, I, I went to help Angel. I just needed some help <laughs> because it's happening so quickly and I was losing so much. And so I came there to ESOP. At that time, it was called Eastside Organizing Program for Health. I began to do volunteer work there because they weren't working on foreclosures. And my house was going into foreclosure because of the insurance lapsed or they, well, canceled. I'm sorry, the insurance canceled. And so we were making repairs and we went into loans that were predatory. And we didn't know it at the time, of course. So as my concerns for the foreclosed, vacant, and abandoned properties increased, I said to my neighbors, and I did tell them, I said, we may have come over on different ships, but we all in the same boat now. (laughs) And we're going to have to fight this war together. So the fight led me to my mortgage servicer, which was Fairbanks at the time, Mm -hmm. foolishly, Fairbanks. I thought it was a bank, and I thought it was fair. Um, (laughs) That, that that left me with a lot of concerns. And we began to fight. Uh, in Slavic Village, I met a neighborhood banker that became a friend, Mark Stefanski. He was chief executive of Third Federal Savings Alone. Stefanski's parents actually started Third Federal and Slavic Village in 1938. And I believe that he could help us and his board agreed to assume our my mortgage and several other people's mortgage in order to help them deal with it and to make it more manageable. But we ran up and down flights of stairs at Chase Bank. I mean, we just went from bank to bank, cornering these bank executives and forcing them to listen to us. Yes. That we would go sharks, we would use name calling. We did whatever we had to do in order to get their attention. Because uh, Inez would always say, if you can't get them with reason and what's morally correct, hit them in the pocketbook. (laughs) And so we began, and that's exactly, the money made the difference. And I was honored because I had an opportunity in 2007 uh, during the presidential campaign and forum, and I was able to stand with um, then-candidate Barack Obama. And I told him, I said, some things aren't right, and some things ain't right. Right. And with me, he said, when I said predatory lending, and he said, just ain't right. Mm -hmm. And that was so true. And we began to ask him, what was he going to do about it? What was... What, what changes can you make? And I believe that was one of those was the Consumer Protection Board with that he, he pulled together. And that made a huge difference to so many different people. And as my work began to be recognized, then I became a documentary uh, 
Cleveland versus Wall Street. And just things and people began to fall in line as we began to fight fearlessly, forcibly to make a change, not just in my life or not just in Inez's life, but for our community. Inez was simply the best mentor I ever had. She did everything that she knew to do to make sure that I had an opportunity to shine. Can you imagine that? Yes. There were times when she could have shined that she said, no, I want you to do that. And I said, but I I know how to do it. And she says, do you know how not to do stupid? And I said, (laughs) yeah, stupid. She said, well, just don't do stupid. (laughs) I I was stunned by that. I'm like, but she, I never didn't care who got the credit. Just as long as the work, the work got, got done, done. and the, that's right. And the mission was accomplished. Yeah. She, she would sit back and smile yes. at what you were doing. Yes. Well, you know, well, I, I was going to say, I can relate to that because my, my mother's gone now, but we lost our house in foreclosure too in 2008. Oh and so that's what actually brought me from living in my home in University Heights to living in Althwaite in 2010. And so I can relate to that. I can remember when my mom contacted ESOP and there was a whole lot going on. She had the countrywide, uh, was working with them. And, um, yes! and we had the yes! balloon, balloon payments. It was just crazy. Ah! People came in and stole things out of our house. I had to rent another house. My mother had gotten oh, sick yeah. at the time and I uh, was in and out of the hospital. And literally uh, my house that was in university, they literally came in my house and and stole my, my personal items. It was it was just amazing. So I know exactly what you're talking about. I know it. Oh yes, firsthand. Okay. Let me, let me, you just said a word. You just said the name of the street. What street did you just say? I lived. Uh, uh, I, where I lived you at. Said, yeah. I, actually, I moved from University Heights. I was living on Cedar Brook, and we moved my daughter and I because my mother had passed away in 2009. And we, I moved in Althwaite Housing Estates in 2010. I'm actually I moved in um, Christmas Eve. <laughs> I moved in Christmas Eve uh, 2009. I, you know what? This is this, let, let me let me just say why I needed you to say Althwaite. Althwaite is the street that my brother and I were found on. Wow. When, when the lady took us to Mama Crockett's home, we were on a porch on Outwaite. The, 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 the states weren't there. The, it was still housing then. Yes. We were on a house. It was a two-family. Well, it was, a, it was actually a single home that had been converted into a two-family. And that's where we were. And now that brings to mind when somebody told me, they said, we are each other's missing pieces. You've walked that walk with me. Mm. We just were on different streets at different times, times but that yep. same walk that I was walking, you were walking. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, that's just amazing to me. Mm-hmm. That sure was. So I know exactly what you're talking about. And I also want people to know that your testimony before the Federal Trade Commission was instrumental in uh, Fairbank Capital returning more than $40 million to the consumers in yes. 2003. 
So right. people need to know that, you know. And that was so important to Inez that it didn't go to the state, to the county, to the wherever else it could, that it went back to the person who lost it. Yes. Yeah. It went back to that individual. It went back to the consumer. Yeah, yeah, you can send some to the state if you want to, but if you, if the person, if I lost $20,000, send me my $20,000. Yeah. Now, if you have a sign and you have to send that somewhere, that's between you and them. But for Inez, she wanted the money returned to the individual. And that seems so important to her that, I, I mean, I just embraced that whole thought. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's that's a important piece. And also too in yeah. my in in uh in doing my research, I got a chance to look at the piece that was done for the uh it was an exhibition, a, a video piece exhibition that was done at a museum. I can't find my notes right now, but I watched it yesterday. It was an excellent piece on you. And also too, I I um I went to the Cleveland Public Library to because uh, on YouTube, you can only find the the German version, German nar- narrated version of Cleveland versus Wall Street, which I think is so interesting because it's an important film. I remember when it was at the film festival, I didn't get a chance to go and see it. But um, when I spoke with the Cleveland Public Library, she's like, I've never heard of this movie. I said, yeah, this is really a film about Cleveland. She said, you know, we don't have a copy of this movie at any library. Then she went on a bigger site. She says, there's not an English version copy of this. I said, this is crazy. So I watched a little bit of the um, German, but it kind of loses something because, of course, the narration is in um, in German. But if people do get a chance to uh, to to watch Cleveland versus Wall Street, it is well worth watching because a lot of people, you know, when that foreclosure stuff was happening, was happening to you and your family, was happening to me and my family. A lot of people just really did not understand how serious no. it really was. I mean, really serious. And the victim, they blamed us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. literally, not only were you using your losing your house, but people were literally coming in your home and stealing your possessions. Yeah. Okay. That's right. They were literally taking yeah. your possessions. So I I, I know firsthand. I <laughs> do. So now, since the impact of uh, the COVID-19 pandemic, have you seen an increase in need for the help? I know you have. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. It, it They increased uh, the need for assistance. So many people now found they could not work outside the home right. or afford care. There was just so many things that was going on, and I expected to get even worse when we look at COVID-19 and this coming winter when the uh, the bills are going to increase with the the electric and the gas. But yeah. people were 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 just huddled inside their home and still need assistance with transportation to and from medical appointments. They yeah. still need food. They still need clothing. They still need hygiene products. They still need paper goods. So now we've added sanitizing products, masks, and additional cleaning items. We've, we've had to add items because people still need them. They do. Even though not or may not be able to personally pur- purchase them with any uh, of their funds. Yeah. Now, I'm going to combine these next two questions. How many residents are you assisting monthly and what items are needed most? Okay. Well, first of all, let me say we are open every day except Sunday, okay. and we provide 
outdoor food pantry that is open, which you know, 24 hours a day. Um, we have four urgent special needs, uh, as we also deliver to some of our disabled or elderly clients. And we serve, we, we currently serve more than, I'm trying to look at my notes because I don't want to give you a wrong number, <laughs> 672 people a month. You said, um, you said six, what, what, what? 600? 600, yes. 672 people a month. Wow. So the person may come in, um, the mother may come in, so she's shopping for three kids, four kids, or whatever. So that's how we do the numbers. Okay? So so it might be two people coming in, but they're shopping for, because we ask them how many in your family. Yes. Okay, so you're stopping for your whole family. So that's how we keep our numbers. Yeah, because people still need a lot of help. A lot of help. Yeah. it's ongoing. It's ongoing. Yeah, for those that I talked about, hygiene products, feminine products, preteen and teen boys, clothing, cleaning supplies, small and large working appliances, paper products, housewares, and bedding. It's Cleveland. It's wintertime. We need bedding. Those those are all the things that you need, so... Folks that are listening yeah. out there, you know, if you can, if you can ma- uh, be of assistance in donating items, those are some of the items that are most needed. Now, what yeah. keeps you motivated and energized? Uh, smile. <laughs> <laughs> people get what they need. Um, people being served. Um, being able to advocate for people um, who are struggling and, and watching them win. I, I, uh, it's, it's part of, uh, also I attend Holy Trinity Church and Cultural Arts Center on Woodland Avenue under the leadership of my pastor. So we are an outreach mission. We are an outreach church. They say we come to church to get strengthened and then we go out to do what we must do it to serve. Yeah. And so I believe that wholeheartedly. Um, and my mother's, uh, voice saying uh, a, a burden shared is half a load yes, so and I hope that I, I hope that I lighten somebody's load that's my now what advice and words of wisdom do you have for young people who want to do good things in their neighborhood okay so you know and I, I'm, I'm sorry because Nike already said it but I'm just going to say it too just do it just do it. Just do it the best you know how. Just do it with whatever you have in your mind. Step out there. Make some mistakes. Correct them along the way. And then just keep going. Just keep doing it. You will perfect it along the way. <laughs> so let's fail to do the good because we're waiting on the excellent yes. or the perfect. Yes. Let's do good and then just build on it. That is, that is perfect words and wisdom. And now, what words of encouragement do you have for activists and advocates fighting for positive change in their neighborhoods? You know what? You have never been more needed than you are right now. Yes. And we are activists because it's what we do. It's in our blood. We can't help but do the good that's doing. You're de- we're designed for this moment. And believe me, this is a challenging moment. So if you got to go alone, go alone. Yeah. But, but go ahead and develop a team as you move forward. Do the work and the rest will follow. Yeah, that is absolutely job. correct. 
<laughs> you are so correct. So correct. Now, what you once hosted a show called Consumer Connections. What was the show about, and would you consider doing TV again? Well, um, it was yeah, it was produced by the city of Cleveland. I worked for this for the city at that time in community development. It was on TV twenty at the time. It was a way to keep so many of our consumers aware of possible scams because there were so many scams out there, and sometimes they're not as easy to spot yes. as they need to be. And so people would call, and we would be aware of these scams, but it also, people would call, and they would need help in getting out of some of these tricks. And so we would help in doing that. But it's also a way of educating the community of upcoming events and programs for the community that could benefit them. So I, I would never miss an opportunity to get the <laughs> truth out in any way that I can. So if it's TV or radio, then that's what I'll do. Absolutely, because your, your voice is needed. Absolutely, it's needed. Now, how have you stayed involved in acting, and, and what do you enjoy about it? You know, um, I love the opportunity to share myself and often uh, what is happening in the world. Um, it started in my elementary school days at A.J. Rickoff at a production of The Wizard of Oz, and it just grew. It was always there, um, <laughs> one of my so is to play the role of a standardized patient for Case Western University of Medical Students. Yes. Um, they would give me a certain list of symptoms and maybe a, a certain role that I was going to play, and the medical students would come in and they hear what I had to say. they hear my cough or my wheeze or whatever. And they would have to diagnose me or they would have to treat me. And it was that was probably my favorite role of all those that. <laughs> yeah. But again, our, my church, Holy Trinity Art and Cultural Center. We put on plays. We do a lot of productions there. Wonderful. So art in all of its forms, whether it's uh, the spoken word or uh, performing arts on the stage or it, it doesn't matter. We embrace, oh, and then of course the painting and all of that. But we we just embrace it all. That sounds fantastic. That sounds wonderful. Now, how can people contact you to make donations, volunteer, or book you for speaking engagements? So let's make sure everybody's got the address to the thrift store, how to reach you by email or phone number. Um, let's get, get all that good stuff. Okay. Well, the easiest way by email is Another Chance of Ohio. It's the name of the, of the free store. Another Chance of Ohio at gmail.com. So that's pretty easy. The free store number is 216-341-8733. And, and then, of course, you Hmm? No, no, keep, continue, continue. Or, of course, you can always come visit us at 2974 East 65th Street. And that's right in Cleveland. That's right off Broadway, right off uh, Union Avenue. So it's on the south side of town yes. in Slavic Village. And it's a wonderful place. It is a wonderful, wonderful place. Well, Ms. Anderson, I would like to thank my guest, Ms. Barbara Anderson, for visiting with us today. I have enjoyed our conversation. I've really been looking forward to it. I love what oh, you do, and I, I'm honored to be able to speak with you today. 
you know what? I am just feeling so good about you. I always have, but I feel even more uh, excited about what it is that you do and how, and especially now that I have discovered our missing pieces, the <laughs> foreclosure, outweighed, and all of these things have connected us in a way that is unbelievable. Yeah, it really is. But you do, yes, yes. You do a fantastic job, and I did get a chance to just kind of peep and preview some of the others. So you, <laughs> I was impressed uh, with them. So thank you oh, so much. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. I really do. Now, I would like to leave our audience with a quote from my guest today. And she got two wonderful quotes from you, Miss Anderson. Oh. So, and here I go. So I'm just thinking that all my life I've had to experience certain things so that I could properly advocate for others that are struggling. Out of each struggle was born a mission that shows up in programs and projects of Another Chance of Ohio. I'll just keep moving forward. I don't have all the education, no letters before or after my name, no degree except for a high degree of mother wit, street sense, common sense, and wisdom. I have blended that with love for people, the ability to recognize their pain, and the heart of God that wants me to help soften some of those blows in life. And my final quote for you is, to come home and feel love from everybody, that's enough for me right there. Mm. And you can visit her website, Another Chance of Ohio. Just Google, you'll find all the wonderful information and things that she's doing for the community. I would like to thank our audience for stopping by today. We appreciate your support. Please join us again as we continue our conversation with Clevelanders who are making positive contributions to their neighborhoods. Visit Neighborhood Connections to see all of our community engagement activities and opportunities. If you have a great idea and you want to do something positive for your community, contact Neighborhood Connections at 216-361-0042 or send us an email at www.neighborhoodgrants.org and like us on Facebook. Get informed, get involved, get connected. I'm Carol Malone, your host. Thank you for joining me today on Neighborhood Spotlight. Neighborhood Spotlight is sponsored by Neighborhood Connections and the City of Cleveland Cable Television Minority Arts and Education Fund in association with Bad Rack Recording Studios. Executive producer, creator, writer, host, Carol Malone, co-producer Lila Mills, engineer James Cananan, photographer, social media, Vince Robinson. We're just a homemade, handmade podcast from scratch. Please share our positive stories with your neighbors, friends, family, and on your social media. Thank you for listening. Neighbor Up. <laughs>